0: Caught offside with Andrew Gunling and JJ Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught offside from the Upper West Side of Manhattan and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling, JJ Devaney, transfer deadline day. What's up, brother?
1: I feel as if your Oh Yes intro, as iconic as it is, is not as dramatic as, say, Sky Sports transfer deadline day or El Chirunguito with their uh, with their rather over-the-top countdown. We, maybe next year we need to do something very, very dark and dramatic for transfer deadline day.
0: Like a, a Brian Fantana panda watch.
1: Yeah, something like that. But you sat in a chair in the dark with just your silhouette, you know, rubbing your hands together with kind of, uh, not glee, not excitement, not but some kind of menace.
0: Why is that the emotion that we're trying to evoke from transfer deadline? day?
1: Because it's it's ramped up to such a point that, uh, you know, Miguel Delaney tweeted this out. He said, what happens to the people now whose sole obsession on Twitter and social media and possibly life is transfers? What happens when the window shuts for them? This is their Christmas, Andrew.
0: So, you're right. And this is a thing, this is a relatively new trend. It is not exclusive to soccer. It is very much a part of American sports as well. And I wonder what's behind that. If it's, like, fantasy sports craze, just the idea of roster building in general. Like, for us, maybe people are obsessed with it because, like, I can't really relate to Messi or Ronaldo. Like, what they do it just doesn't even make sense to me. Like, I I can never do the things they do. But I think deep down inside, all of us believe that we could in some way build a roster. We could all in some way be the general manager oh, yeah. of our favorite team. And so maybe that's why people have gravitated towards that, because they almost feel like it's more relatable to try and build a team than it is to play a sport. Oh, sure. And, and strangely, you know, you'll say t- you'll see tweets, which I find
1: particularly grim, you know, about a club's outgoings. They sold this guy for X amount, brought in this guy, and they'll be like, that's how you run a club. That's how you run a business. And I'm like, the joy you're getting from this is far too much. You know, the joy should be derived from whatever player you've signed and their contribution on the field, not not spreadsheets, not stats and, and figures and things like that. And they can be interesting. I, I we enjoy regularly delving into the world of Swiss Ramble, who gives us the breakdown of clubs, amortization, all those things. They could you know they they can be interesting. Mm. But um, for some people, this is the sport.
0: Well, the thing that I find particularly ridiculous about this is that you know, like you fully know that there are people who lose their minds and live and die. With the signing or not signing of a player that they have literally never watched play. And I find that funny.
1: Uh, we all remember Andre Arshavin being announced finally at Arsenal. And part of that huge sense of joy that Arshavin signed for Arsenal was based on,, uh, okay, some good performances. Uh, in European competition that were televised, <laughs> but don't tell me that Arsenal fans were watching him regularly because they weren't. But the other side of it was Tottenham didn't get him. Mm-hmm. There was a point in that transfer saga, not saga, but however long Arsenal were after him, that two North London clubs were in the chase for Andre Arshavin. So a lot of it too is one-upmanship. Um, you know, United fans, that look at Sancho, Varane, and Cristiano Ronaldo, and they'll be goading Liverpool fans and even possibly Manchester City fans, too, about this. You're right. Uh, in,
0: in some ways, it's almost like a status thing. Like, look, oh, at, yeah. look at all these guys that want to be a part of of our club, not and the, yours. Uh, and there's a dopamine hit
1: from the transfer. There's a dopamine hit from the likes and retweets when you make a smart comment or, or you say how you won the transfer window on Twitter or Instagram. So it's all that. Um it's, it's it's part of it's part of modern fandom. Mm-hmm. It's very grim and but it's been building for years and years. I mean it was it was so it was such an event and a thing uh, at Sky and, and still is but not quite what it used to be that you know Andrew they sent their reporters to grounds only to be surrounded by insane people especially the winter transfer window in in all kinds of awful weather. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to get on TV, holding up signs. In some cases, holding up phallic symbols and inserting them into the ear of a One Sky presenter. <laughs> you know, to the point where Sky had to stop doing that and go inside the grounds or somewhere where the fans weren't.
0: Uh, it is quite a scene. Um, we'll go through it. We we will be part of the problem for today at least. And uh, we will talk about some of some of the key moves from Deadline Day, maybe some of the clubs that we feel have had particularly good or bad transfer windows. Also, JJ, because we have played three matches in the Premier League, you know what today is, my friend. What day is that? Jump to Conclusions Day.
1: We need to drop.
0: Oh, you have caught me off guard. And uh, I don't really know what to say in a moment like this, other than I'm sorry. You don't have it? No. What,
1: Andrew, you can't not have the jump to conclusions drop.
0: Oh, you're talking Oh no, no, no. I thought you meant the boing sound.
1: No, no, no. The boing I'm okay with. Oh no, don't
0: bo- don't worry, JJ. I actually not only do I I have what you're looking for, I actually created a whole new open, so I actually don't want to play it yet. I want to wait until we get to the real oh. section. Yeah.
1: Oh, what a pro. Total tease. By the way, just just my read my 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 outpouring of anger there was nothing to do with you per se, but it's 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 reflected from the from our listeners who are were annoyed we talked about the Carabao Cup a couple of weeks ago and didn't have the Carabao, Carabao noise.
0: There are you happy, everyone. That should make them happy. So the we'll animals. do we'll do our after the the third week of the Premier League season each year we do um and I think we do it for MLS, too. We do our Jump to Conclusions Week podcast where we make kind of grand proclamations, outrageous statements after just three matches, and then we determine whether or not we're actually willing to jump to that conclusion. So we'll do that. You have put together a mailbag, which I, I did look at. I really enjoyed. I'm I'm excited about that one. Uh,
1: glad, you, glad you went to the trouble to do your job.
0: Yeah, I did, because uh, I'm a pro, like you said. Um, I, I did see one of our— uh, one of the guys who wrote into us wanted to know kind of where we're at with Ted Lasso, which will be a um, an interesting and most likely frustrating conversation.
1: No, uh, I it's I think it will be going combative. Be...
0: It will not be uh, in the spirit of Ted Lasso himself, which is kindness and caring and diarrhea. See, JJ can't help himself. He he will only be happy when the world is as miserable as he is.
1: No, 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 no. I won't. I won't to actually. I'm going to preempt it now. Oh. Don't come at me with that stuff. You've seen. Well, you I just wed- did, and
0: I will again. No, repeatedly. you won't.
1: No, you won't. We'll argue it on its merits. We will not have this, I'm miserable, because it's not true. You spent the weekend with me. You saw misery is not my friend. Don't do that.
0: That's right. JJ and I were at a wedding together this past weekend. It was very fun. Maybe we'll touch on some of the highlights of it for, uh, a little bit later in the in the second half of the podcast. Yeah, there, there
1: was. Maybe you should bring it up after the break. Yeah.
0: Okay. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. Transfer deadline day, panda watch. Let's go, my friend. I know you've you've jotted down some of the marquee ones from today. We'll go through them. We'll we'll give an opinion. We'll we'll pontificate. We'll um, make determinations on uh, all of these things and players that have not even kicked the ball yet for the team that they're now playing for.
1: Yeah. So let's begin uh, in Spain. Uh, Our Spain on its way to London. That Saul uh, on loan from Atleti to Chelsea uh, found that to be very, very strange that it's a loan. He's been a key player for them. At this point in his career, would it not be a full transfer or would you not just hold on to him? But wait, Andrew, there's some moving pieces here. Uh, Griezmann, Antoine, is on his way from Barcelona to Atleti on a loan, meaning that they would probably have to move Saul on in terms of, of wages to make space to pay for whatever amount they'll have to pay of Griezmann's wages, which would be significant. And Barcelona have done the only thing that's possible to do to replace Antoine Griezmann
0: is to sign Luke de Jong. So some musical chairs is what's going on here.
1: It, it, it's, it, it's balancing the books for, for Barcelona because they clearly have got to this point and said we cannot continue or we may not be able to continue if Antoine Griezmann is still with us, who you would have thought would have been a key part of this side uh, with the removal of Lionel Messi. But they are in such a financial distress that that Griezmann going to Atleti back to Atleti seems like something that they have to do and Luke de Jong coming in 31 years of age one of the more interesting career arcs to finally end up at Barcelona so de Graf Schaap 20 Borussia Mönchengladbach Newcastle United PSV Sevilla okay he's good at Sevilla and now he goes to Barcelona at age 31
0: so there's a, there's a couple elements of all of what you just said that are interesting to me. I guess we'll go through them one at a time. The first one being uh the Griezmann element of this. Going back to Atletico and I just think about his time at Barcelona. I, is it too harsh to say that like he now goes into the conversation of when we when we want to talk about some of the the biggest busts in terms of, of from of transfers. Is he now part of that conversation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. He'll also go down as a marker of the decadence of Barcelona, uh, their pursuit of him, the money they paid for him, 120 million euros, money they really couldn't afford, wages more accurately that they couldn't afford. Um, Football 365 reporting now at a quarter past midnight UK time. Griezmann to Atletico is also done. Loan. With a 40 million euro obligation to buy,
0: so I believe, uh, from what I've been reading, Atletico Madrid have pretty much told him they will be buying him next summer. So don't 40, ex- don't anticipate ever seeing Griezmann suit up for Barcelona again.
1: 40 million, unbelievable.
0: <laughs> well, when you sold him for 120, it's it's incredible business. Yeah, um, if he can replicate his form for Atletico that he had previously given them, and not Barcelona's form, um, but I think I think a lot
1: of it was. The hole that was left by Neymar, uh, the need to have someone alongside Messi and they bought a piece that never, ever worked. I mean, Coutinho was the same. Mm-hmm. Um, he Yeah, he will go down as the the lack of plan, the lack of foresight, the just scrambling around in the market, trying to re- replace the the Neymar um, transfer, just just the mess of Athletic of uh, Barcelona in this era, he he will be he will be front and center with guys like Coutinho and uh, Dembele.
0: So I, I have in, I have here a comparison between Griezmann and De Jong from 2019 to now in all competitions, um, because it actually it does paint a little bit of a picture that. Barcelona will be losing something here. It, there will That there will be a drop-off. Okay, uh, Griezmann, 102 games in that time, 35 goals, 16 assists. Not great, but okay. De Jong, in that time, 94 games, 19 goals, 3 assists. Mm. Um, so the numbers are heavily weighted toward, towards Griezmann. Now, obviously, there are factors that come along with that. Barcelona just score a ton of goals. So, like, when you play in a system with players like Messi, there's just going to be more opportunity to, to put up numbers. So I do think that there's, like, a little bit of of, of skewed numbers happening in that comparison. So, look, and, and it, by the way, it's not just that, like, Luke de Jong has to now come in and do all that himself. Memphis Depay has done a nice job starting out so far for Barcelona this season. So it'll be a team effort to try to replace all these outgoing players for Barcelona. They might they might still be a good team. We've said that repeatedly over the past couple weeks, that even though they've lost Messi, they could still be good. And I, I still feel that way here today. Losing Griezmann is not a deal-breaker for me in terms of how I view Barcelona this season.
1: No. Um, no, it's not. But at the same time, this is a... Rapidly changing and, you have to say, rapidly diminished in many areas. Barcelona, they do not have the aura that they had even a year ago. Uh, shall we move
0: on? Yeah, sure. Anything on Saul going to Chelsea? That yeah, one I, that I, one is interesting to me, too. They're just, I, I mean, there's like no end in sight to what they're trying to do in attack.
1: Um, yeah. He, I, I think he's a very good signing. He gives them kind of a midfield depth. Um, it, again, the loan, I don't really quite get from Atleti's point of view, but whatever. It's, it's a great be- piece of business for, for Chelsea. And, um, it's, it's strengthening. He, he's, he's a veteran of the champions league, uh, a veteran of, uh, league campaigns in La Liga. It's, it just seems good business to me. I know he's not really last season. He had, he was, he had some injuries, wasn't automatically a starter, but he did start a lot of games all the same. Or no, a fair amount. Well,
0: sort of. He didn't play very much last season. I think it was mm. the fewest games that he had played since like the like the mid teens, like uh, twenty fourteen right, okay. or something like that. Um, but let's if see. You I, think I have it here. He uh, he he only started. He started twenty two La Liga games for Atletico last season, and fewest in a league season since the fourteen fifteen season. So it'll, it's been it had been a while,
1: right. But if you think of his contributions in the Champions League, you look at all the competitions Chelsea are going to be competing across again, uh, looking to retain their Champions League title, being serious contenders for the for the Premier League, I think it's a good bit of business. Um, again, don't know how the injuries last season, what kind of form or shape he's in, uh, the fact that Atleti were willing to let him go, but, I mean, that remains to be seen. On paper, good move. He joined, uh, he
0: joined Atletico in 2008 at the age of 13. Wow. Played yeah. 340 games for them.
1: Yeah, that's why it just doesn't feel alone doesn't alone feels weird. But again, there's a lot of things going on here. There's a lot of moving parts. Um, Chelsea may have not have wanted to meet their price. Atleti had to get rid of him. Uh when I say get rid, had to get him off the books, at least for a season to get Griezmann back in. So maybe alone makes sense in that regard.
0: You and I were talking a little bit before the show about Chelsea and how they just they just seem to know how to navigate this whole thing. That say what you want about, you know, the way that they were, you know, under Abramovich, this version of Chelsea, that it's it's not good for the sport or whatever you want to say about it, fine. I, I understand all that. But in terms of how they actually conduct business in the transfer window, they they know how to do it. they You know, we talked about that season under Lampard where they couldn't make transfers and so they kind of dipped into their academy and we said that it was it was it could only wind up being a win-win for them because either they'll dip into their academy, find players that they wind up being able to really use moving forward, or these guys now will have game experience. And Chelsea, if they don't think they're quite up to the level uh, of a Champions League side like Chelsea, they can move them on for a profit. And in the end, both things pretty much happened you know, Tammy Abraham goes out, they get good money back. And so they're able to, to finance other bigger moves that they want to make through some of the, like a, a conglomeration of smaller moves. It's it the use of their Academy to s- send these players all over the world and get money back so they can finance big moves. It, it has worked better for them than most other clubs that I can think of.
1: Yeah. And it's not always a very edifying sight to hear that they've, they've signed someone and then he's immediately gone out on loan mm-hmm. uh, for an indeterminate amount of time. And we've had that, we've had that with, uh, with U.S. players involved with Chelsea, too. But um, there's a nice piece in Football 365. uh, A focus continues to be placed on Chelsea producing homegrown players for their own team, but receiving £82 million sterling, that's almost $100 million, for Tammy, Abraham, Tomori Guay, and Tino Livermente, three of whom have some form of buyback clause inserted into their deals with their new clubs. is testament to the brilliance and prestige of their academy. It's also a testament to how they do business. And, you know, you see these massive outlays of money. And, and be under no illusion, they are all underpinned by the Bank of Rome and Abramovich. We, we understand that. But they still have a policy and a way of selling players and getting money back. Look at, you know, look at what they've done even last season. If you go on Swiss Ramble and, you, you know, you saw, wow, 200 million spent. Then you see how much they've got back from selling players on. Uh, you realize how well-run uh, the club is in that regard. Let's let's move on, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Um, Odson Adard to Crystal Palace from Glasgow Celtic. Uh, Edwards, £14 million sterling. Seems like a very, very good price for Crystal Palace. He is signing a four-year deal with the Premier League side. Uh, 88 goals and 179 appearances for Celtic after joining for from uh, Paris Saint-Germain in 2017.
0: Pretty amazing. I, that 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 move more than almost any other. Yeah. Jumped off the page to me and you a testament to you. You it's something you harp on all the time. Just like the money that has been thrust into the Premier League allows a relegation candidate in Crystal Palace to spend, yep. what'd you say, 40 million on a player that was coveted no, no, by. No, no,
1: no, no. no, no. It, 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 the report is that it's 14 million. 14? Oh, yes. Okay, that's but, different. But, but I was wait, say, but my
0: it's, God. It's not, it's
1: not that different, though, when you think.
0: Yeah, but I thought you said 40.
1: He's going to triple his wages at Crystal Palace. Uh, yeah. Think of it that way. The, 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 the transfer fee now, Andrew, I won't say it's redundant, but it's. It's not often an indicator, particularly with Premier League. You think, oh, that's a good bargain. Check how much he's he's being paid. He's moving to London. He's going to be at Crystal Palace in the Premier League. He's going to be on massive wages. Crystal Palace, money-wise, are a bigger club than Glasgow Celtic right now. That is, you know, and I mean money-wise in terms of TV money, mm-hmm. t- revenues from TV money and stuff like that. Celtic are still a bigger club. Don't Celtic fans don't come at me, but you, you know what I mean. They have the ability to pay more in wages than Glasgow Celtic. So, that's a really interesting one. And it's, it's a move now that has to work for Patrick Vieira. He has to integrate him into the side. Um, but it's a good move. He's a, he's a proven goalscorer. And Celtic, actually, I'm surprised they hung on as long as they did to him. Um, let's see who else have we got here. Takahira Tomasi, Tomayasu from Bologna to Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hector Bellerin is moving to Real Betis. Uh, yeah,
0: be- I mean, Bellerin clearly had fallen out of favor there. That has become abundantly obvious for a while now. And I guess Tomiyasu is, you know, he has he's versatile on the back line, can be mm. a center back, can be a right back. Uh, Arsenal clearly need help there. We'll talk more about Arsenal, um, and I'm sure their defensive shortcomings when we get to our Jump to Conclusions week, so I don't want to preempt too much of that. But, yeah, I, I mean, he, has, he was a player who I also saw linked to Tottenham. So yeah. maybe, you know, Arsenal will have a, a small... Fist pump going just with that, although that fist pump won't last too long because Tottenham have gone out and done some right back business of their own, which I would say maybe trumps this. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Arsenal need help, so especially in that area. Um, so uh, you know, I'm not I'm not going to denigrate it or anything. It could it could wind up working out for them.
1: Uh, Ademola Luckman on loan to Leicester, uh, which is. Kind of an interesting move. He's back in the Premier League after not really working out at Everton, going to Germany, now back with Leicester. Um, Another man who is back from China this time, Salomon Rondon has joined Everton, Andrew. Uh, A firm favorite of uh, Everton manager Rafa Benitez. So Rondon back in will probably supply depth, I would imagine, for and uh, cover for Dominic Calvert-Lewin.
0: Sneaky, decent player during his time at West Brom and Newcastle. We always liked him. 35 uh, goals in 140 Premier League appearances. Look, that's not lighting the world on fire, but he. those are two teams that don't really score goals, um, and he, he still found a way to get to 35 in that number of appearances. Many of those appearances probably substitute appearances also. So, like, as a depth signing, it's... It's fine. It's it's not terrible for Everton. He's he's not going to be looked upon to start for them. But you know what he's going to do
1: if if Everton want to be direct, if they want to get the ball up, he can hold it up. He can he can bring other players into play. He's an aerial threat. There's going to be more crosses. It's a not an exactly I think, you know, Dominic Calverloon. It's a kind of a like for like, if not exact like for like, being able to swap in and out of the team. Yeah. without breaking rhythm a bit. We'll see. We'll I, see. I don't right. know. I guess what-
0: my, my greater point is just essential is basically to say that some people will see that. And kind of roll their eyes or laugh. And I'm just saying, yeah, like, I wouldn't, if I was in a room full of Everton people right now, I don't think everybody would be high-fiving each other. But I think that you could be, that, that's not a bad move. I think that could be fine for them.
1: Um, and then we get to Tottenham. Emerson, Royale to Tottenham. Andrew, uh, you can have the floor on this one.
0: Uh, $30 million for a right-back. 22 years old. Really promising. Um and it raises a really interesting question, because so far in the early part of the season, Jaffa Tanganga has been very good for Tottenham. Um, but now they've gone out, and I would have to say they've supplanted him in making this signing for Emerson Royale, or they're just looking for added depth. Um, I, I don't know which. it'll be. That will be an interesting battle. I know that Tanganga has won over the fans, and fans will be happy certainly seeing a, a Barcelona player come into the Spurs side, but there, I guess this is what you want, right? Like, you want competition at positions because that's supposed to raise the level of play from everybody involved. Um, this was the knock against Tottenham when, during that summer where they didn't do anything, is that it? guys can get complacent in their spots. Um, so now there is serious competition for that right-back spot, and I think, uh, I guess it can only help. So I would say it's a good move for them. It's, it's pricey, al- um, but a young player like that, I think it's it's a good move.
1: We should also note that Serge Aurier, uh, his Tottenham contract has been terminated uh, by mutual consent. His deal was set to run out at the end of the season. Uh, the right-back's four-year spell at Spurs come to an end, uh, reports Sky. They tried the player,
0: desperately to move him, and they couldn't.
1: They couldn't get him any takers, so he become a free agent, and he's able to join another club beyond the transfer window deadline. They couldn't get him to go anywhere. There were people in for him, uh, but he had a higher opinion of where he should be. So Watford, Real, Betis, Spartak Moscow, and Genoa all tried, but Aurier believes he is better than those clubs, and so we'll go out into the free market, Andrew. Godspeed. Indeed. I think... uh... I think Godspeed indeed. And oh yeah, just one bit of business that was done, not on transfer deadline day, but Daniel James to Leeds has finally happened. The circle set in motion by the Take Us Home Leeds United Amazon documentary has been completed. Well, there you go. And uh, United doing good business in a way. They bought him for $15 million and sold him for $30 million reportedly. So there we are.
0: One other one to throw in, JJ, an American on the move. Matthew Hoppe apparently going from the Bundesliga to La Liga, another American in La Liga. Uh, he'll be joining Mallorca.
1: I saw that big American presence in the ownership of Mallorca. Um, how this works out, I'm not sure. Very, very good player. Surprised he wasn't going to stay in Germany, that someone wouldn't have come in from him there, but we shall... See how La Liga suits him.
0: You got any others? I guess there's Not right. there's Not one right. no. there's one worth mentioning that didn't happen. Oh, okay. Well, apparently, apparently, Real Madrid put in a bid of 200 million euros to PSG to try and grab Kylian Mbappe and bring him to the Bernabeu, and PSG just ignored it. And I mean, you talk about having fu money to be able to ignore a bid of that size when your team already has Neymar and Messi. Like you would think if there was any team ever suited to wanting to to feeling motivated. Like I know they love Mbappe and they would love to keep him there and I'm sure they have these these ideas of what they could look like in, in the Champions League this season with those three up front. But ultimately 200 million for a player who at this point is is kind of At a a luxury position, like if they were to get rid of Mbappe, it would suck because of those players. He's probably the most valuable, given his age and what his potential is. But like, if they got rid of him today, nobody would look at PSG tomorrow and say, "Well, now they've got a real hole up front." You know, like they they would still be. Oh, I I disagree.
1: Oh, I. Oh, yeah.
0: You know what? I take it back. I'm sorry. You're right, JJ. Neymar and Messi. Oh, how could they ever succeed?
1: I honestly don't I, – I, seriously now, the jewel in the crown of that team is still Kylian Mbappe because of the things you said.
0: I understand that. By I way, said he's the he's, most valuable of the three. But, he's, but if you're but trying he's, to win a Champions League this season, yes, no one's lo- no one's looking at a team with Neymar and Messi on it and saying they're not good enough in attack.
1: No, one, no one's – but speak to the individual players. Speak to Neymar, consistently injured and not consistent in many of the big games, right? Uh, Messi. Does not run anymore. Doesn't move. And you want to take out the most exciting player, dribbler, guy that can go past people, create chances out of nothing, great on the counter, great at exposing defenses. He is huge to what this is. Absolutely huge. And that's why he's not going anywhere until next summer when he will join Real Madrid. For free, because,
0: For free now. That's what right, they've but, done today.
1: But they don't they don't care. I mean, we're not we gotta stop talking about them like they're in a normal regular club. They're not.
0: Also, I do take exception with you saying Neymar doesn't turn up in in big games. I don't. You're. I, I can't debate. I, I can't debate his injury history because he's missed key fixtures for Nearly both for, for both Brazil and PSG. But I, I I take some exception with saying that in big. I mean, think of. I think of some of his performances for PSG in their Champions League run and, and just like what a revelation it was watching him, how great he was, um, and for you to just kind of snuff off. Messi and say he doesn't, nuts, he doesn't, nothing, he doesn't off, move Andrew. anymore. It's not, it's the me- guy is still. I mean, fine. If we want to say he's not the best player in the world, maybe that's Robert Lewandowski right now with with how he's been. Messi is top two, top three. Like it's you you portray him like he doesn't bring anything to the club. I mean, my that God, is we're,
1: absolutely we're- not what I'm doing. I'm saying the jewel in the crown of this team. Is Kylian Mbappe and, and I what said that too. Do. I said he. I That's said what, he's the most so valuable
0: take, of those three. But I'm saying it doesn't suddenly become a position of weakness.
1: They're not going. They are less likely to win the Champions League without Kylian Mbappe.
0: But they're that, still top two or three favorite.
1: Okay. All right.
0: And they now have 200 million in their pocket. And think of the buying power that they to spend when, like,
1: and, and to, on and on whom when like.
0: There's, well, that's hard for me to say right now. But to spend right. when either in January or next summer,
1: There's just no way that they're getting rid of Kylian Mbappe while they have this kind of assembly of stars together. Well, they're and going
0: they're, to. They're going to lose him for free instead.
1: Yeah, I mean next year, fine, whatever. But they're not. But they're they're not bothered about
0: that. Okay, I guess. I guess we'll they're, see. They're, I mean, you, by you the way, might, you might also, be right.
1: It's also then throwing their weight around, Andrew. It's not like forget about the football for a second. This is about them saying, "I'm the captain now." <laughs> you know, this is Qatar flexing its muscle in European football and and saying they won't be pushed around by either UEFA or the old guard of of European clubs, that your Real Madrid's and your Barcelona's. We're I, the captain now.
0: I do also sometimes think that we downplay what PSG have after Mbappe, Neymar, Messi. Like I, I sometimes think we forget that there's other really great players on that team. Of course team. there
1: is. Of course there is, but um, we're just talking about their attack at the moment. Anyway, this is this is not going to help us. This debate will rage when the Champions League starts again, and PSG have their first dodgy result with all these stars.
0: <laughs> but but like by the way, I am, I mean from I don't love PSG. I'm not trying to say that, but from a a soccer fan perspective, I'm not broken up over this. I'm I'm excited to watch a season in the Champions League of Mbappe, Neymar, and Messi playing alongside one another.
1: I'm curious because I'm not sure, you know, it has the potential to go amazingly well and click, uh, but it also has the potential to be an absolute car crash. And both of those yeah. things, I want to tune in for.
0: You're you're a tricky one. You're a tricky one.
1: I I just think I just see it differently. That's all.
0: They can't get rid of him. With him, it could be a car crash. It could. I, what's it, it, What's the answer here? I don't know. You, I don't know how to talk to you. you.
1: There is no answer. Sometimes it's okay to say you don't know. Sometimes it's okay to say, "Well, you've got all these amazing players. Ipso facto, they'll be a great team." Or you've got all these massive egos put together. You know, Neymar and, and Messi have a good relationship, but you don't know about this about the uh, the Killian Killian Mbappe factor. How is that going to all fit in? It's exciting. I'm looking forward to it, but it could be good or bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the uh, way it is. Well, there you go. That's that's transfer deadline day. It was this. Good. was this transfer window was. This was one for the ages. It really was. I'll miss it greatly. <laughs> Don't worry, Andrew. There's one coming along in a few months, and we'll start analyzing it next week with Some all people the rumors. Will. Yeah, you're right. The, the rumors will begin immediately. By the way, I, I know we we spoke about this at the start of the conversation, but to, just to put a bow on this and circle back to it now, can you think of other? Like we mentioned Griezmann bust w- what are some of the ones on the uh, I'm putting on the spot here that are in your category of that Oh
1: come on that's not fair. Okay. Um, Busts that uh I mean Man was- City at the start had so many when the when the when the not the the tax and Shinawatra money came in first Andrew. Mm-hmm. It was a plethora of guys that didn't work out. Um I suppose Rubinho would stand out, even though he he had his a couple of moments for City. That that really didn't work out. That's one that stands out to me. Um, Sometimes
0: I think a little bit. There's that era at Man United not so long ago. I make it sound like it was like a prehistoric, uh, the era of like Alexis Sanchez. Oh, that
1: was. I mean, that's like two years ago.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, that was a complete. That was such. He was know, just done. He was just finished, and they had, like had. They didn't see it. No. Um also uh, like it, in it, that and, and, like again Di Maria, Mikatarian, like that whole era of just yeah. like massive spending on guys none of Shin, them worked out.
1: Shinji Kagawa.
0: All of awful. these. Um I'm trying, what are some of the other big ones that I can sometimes think of? I mean obviously for our own clubs we'll have, you know, I I think of Benteke for you guys um Soldado oh, and Paulinho at Spurs
1: oh we had Benteke and Balotelli and wasn't wasn't it, that's pretty much in the in the same era late late Rogers era yeah didn't work out at all Mark I remember, I remember Lazar Markovich who wasn't a big name coming in <laughs> uh-huh. but like there was so much excitement and I, rem- <laughs> I remember Kenny speaking to Kenny Daglish uh who was on the U.S. tour <laughs> and I was just like what What do I say to Kenny Daglish talk about players talk about players and I was like Oh, Kenny, what do you think of the new signings? Hey, some of them are no bad. And I was like, all right, keep the conversation going, JJ. Jeez. I was like, uh, I heard Markovich is rapid. And he, he just turns to me and he goes, hey, he's quick. I mean, he's quicker than me, but he's not rapid.
0: <laughs> he took you to school there.
1: Oh, he he literally took me to school during that half hour I spent in his company. Kenny Leglish, Ian Rush, and Robbie Fowler. Uh, several times Um, it was funny though he's a very funny guy and he had a big he had a big sunburnt red nose from all the golf he was playing
0: that's very nice anywho Um, well good stuff should we now do what we are here to do and that is to jump to conclusions
1: let's get to it because I was excited at the start of the transfer talk but by the end of it I was done which is pretty much the transfer window
0: yeah I agree so let's do this now JJ it was a jump-to-conclusions
1: mat. Jump, jump. will make jump, jump. You see, it would be this mat that you would put on the floor and would have different conclusions
0: written on it that you could jump to. Jump, jump. Oh, yeah, jump-to-conclusions week in a very, a very timely... Crisscross reference. JJ, I remember being in elementary school. We had this thing called Jump Rope for Heart where like in gym class for a month or whatever, a couple weeks, you would jump rope a lot and like raise money for uh, heart disease and things like that. Mm. And and during it, our gym teacher would exclusively only play that song. This is probably back in like the early 90s. And I remember even then being like, can't we freshen this up? Can't we find something a little newer? And here we are in the year <laughs> 2021, and now I've become what I hate.
1: Yeah, but the danger is that, okay, we'll freshen it up, and freshening it up at, at that era would have been Van Halen Jump from a few, <laughs> from a few years prior, prior to that. Yeah. Uh, the one thing about Crisscross Cross and, and Jump was like, okay, it was, it was cheesy. And their whole shtick of wearing their clothes back to front, that was a bit cheesy too. But the hook, the actual hook and the beat in that song is pretty great.
0: Dude, for, for kids... Yeah. to to have done that i thought they were i thought they were incredible yeah and just when i was going back putting that together and i i rewatched the song i watched the video i was i was genuinely impressed that like these these little kids made that yeah no good. i i I really,
1: I really loved that song at the time
0: All right, jump to conclusions week. For those who don't know, we'll kind of throw, uh, after the third match of of the season, we throw a a conclusion out there for a few different things, and uh, we decide whether or not we're actually going to jump to that conclusion and stand by it for the remainder of the season. There's only one place to start, JJ, after this horror show weekend for them. My first conclusion here, are we jumping to the conclusion that Arsenal are really this bad?
1: As a, you're a Tottenham fan, and uh, I am uh, i can't allow you to go first, so I, I'm going to go first. Mm. Um, I'm not jumping to this, Andrew, uh, which may surprise some people. I'm going to reverse course somewhat and say Arsenal are not as bad as their league position, despite being absolutely destroyed by man sitting and doing next to nothing. Literally the definition of next to nothing with 0.1 XG posted from the weekend's hammering. I still think they'll avoid some of the bottom of the table messiness, which is where they are after three games into the international break. Now, what am I basing this on? Not much, my friends, (laughs) the fact that they have some players to come back into the side, the heart of the Tierneys and the Smith Rose and the Saka's of this team, but really not much else. I have no stats for hope. Uh, This is purely gut. I have no underperforming to point to, um, At these times, I I often go to Arsblog, to Andrew Mangan, to get to feel the pulse of the Arsenal fan, Mm -hmm. or in this case, maybe to feel the rigor mortis. Um, And this is what he said about Arteta. So I'm telling you with my gut that I feel things are going to be better, but I can't leave talking about Arsenal without saying this. I don't doubt his desire or his work ethic. This is talking about Arteta. I liked it. He has very clearly spoken about long-standing issues that have affected the team and the club as a whole. I've enjoyed the idea that he might change a culture which has seen our standing diminish season after season. But right now, it's impossible not to doubt his ability as a manager who can deliver the kind of results that a club like Arsenal should be demanding. I think they'll be okay, but what is okay? Um, I think okay is like I said, some kind of mid-table mush above the messiness of the relegation race. But that—that that is the best I can see.
0: So we're in lockstep because oh, really? I, I, I am not jumping to the conclusion that they're really this bad. But like you, in saying that, you're relying on nothing that your eyes have shown you. You're, nothing. Re- you're relying only on this idea that eventually, to borrow an American cliche, these guys are going to start playing in the back of their baseball cards because, like, they do have there are talented players there. Obama Yang, you know, you you went through and mentioned some of them. So you're kind of just leaning on. Well, eventually, Obama Yang's going to score goals, right? But I, I don't know. <laughs> so I I will not jump. I don't think, like I said last week, and I adamantly still believe this today. They're not getting relegated, so like they they can't be this bad. Now, having said that. Like you talked about some of the numbers, L- let's let's go in here and look at just how like offensively bad they have been. Oh, good lord! Well, so they have not scored a goal yet. They've conceded nine. You can look at that and you can say, well, numbers can be deceiving. Maybe they're maybe they're generating chances. Maybe they've been unlucky. Nope, nope. They have an xG through three games of one point nine. Only Crystal Palace is worse, uh, but a- at least Crystal Palace defends. Crystal Palace has an XG allowed of 3.0. Arsenal's is 8.0. By far the worst in the league. Now, again, I come back to... Why I'm not jumping. They have had to face Chelsea. They have had to face Manchester City in two of their first three. A red card from Granit Xhaka, 35 minutes in against Manchester City, certainly didn't help. Arsenal finished the game with one shot, none of which were on target. Uh, So, like, that's all part of it. It's all part of why they can still be bad this season, but it's why I won't jump to them being this bad. But, J.J., we we should talk. It was hard to be on Twitter during that game and not see – this wave of negativity being thrown towards Cedric Suarez for Arsenal. Oh. Um, he, so I saw this uh, against Manchester City. Cedric Suarez achieved the lowest who scored rating of any player in the Premier League so far this season. Uh, here were some of his stats. This is from Statman Dave on Twitter 44% pass accuracy, one error leading to a goal, 0 for 5 on aerial duels. 0 for three on ground duels. One in the second half, he was two for eight on passes. I mean, like this guy, he had a horrible game in the midst of what has been a bad tenure at Arsenal. Sometimes players are allowed to leave teams, and like then after watching for a little while, you're like, oh, that's why Southampton had no problem with him leaving, and I think Arsenal are, are living that a little bit right now.
1: Just their defending on the early the early goals was just it was so bad, Andrew. Like. You know, if it happened in MLS, it would be, you know, crushed for it.
0: And Um, and by the way, there's this stat, which only got worse today with Arsenal signing uh, Tomiyasu. Um, This was sent out by ESPN FC even before Tomiyasu. Manchester United spent less on Sancho, Varane, and Ronaldo than Arsenal spent on White, Odegaard, Ramsdale, Tavares, and Sambi. And you can now throw Tomiyasu into that as well.
1: Um and we we spoke about, you know, stats and we we're talking about Ben White as a center back that's going to come in and sort things out. And apparently his aerial duel w- uh, rate is a 50%, which is not good for a center back.
0: Not good enough. No. No,
1: it's not. By the way, before we before we get off the weekend uh and that that game, mm-hmm. um just a quick word on statues. Uh, City unveiled their their frankly scary futuristic <laughs> terminator in transition visions of Vincent Company and David Silva. Did you see them? Yes, I did. What do you think?
0: Um they are scary. They're they're they went in a different direction than yeah. what I thought I uh, you'd be getting. They went right. a little more like like you said futuristic mm-hmm. uh not necessarily like I guess the old school model of just kind of like a, a rendering of yeah, someone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um but, but it they, got me they thinking- are they are new money, so I guess everything there is going to be kind of modern chic.
1: Sure. It got me thinking about uh Arsenal December 9th, 2011, Arsenal unveil a statue outside the Emirates to an emotional theory, Mm Henri. Arsenal were in fifth at that point of the season, nine points off Man City, who were top. One of the journalists asked Henri if he thought Robin van Persie would one day have his own statue outside of the Emirates. That's uh, That anniversary is coming up now, and uh, that decade for Arsenal since... Since that statue's being unveiled, the the way things have gone.
0: Oh, it's been a, a steady march downhill before we get off of Arsenal, and we're going long on them because uh, quite frankly, I, I had they're the most interesting story, I think right now in the league. Seeing them bottom is just not <laughs> not used to it. And so I saw this message that we got on Twitter from Harsh Patel. Um, and I was curious what your answer to this would be. He said, being an Arsenal fan, what's the bare minimum for Arteta to get sacked? With Norwich and Burnley coming up, I think a draw is enough. And then realistically, who would be the man for the job? I don't know. I can't answer the last part of that. Who would be the man for the job? I have no idea. But what do you think? Is is this now like a week-to-week Arteta watch, essentially, where a draw against Norwich um, or, you know— uh, a a draw and a win? I I don't know. What, what would it take? Like, are we now in that spot with him? Oh
1: yeah, we are. Um, Andrew, and we're in that spot and we've been there for a little bit because we saw a newspaper report. Something was leaked from the club saying that the club hierarchy have given him five games to save his job. And one of those five games was the Manchester city game. Mm. Didn't start well. (laughs) So, oh man, I have no clue who could come in there and turn things around I would say I listened to Jonathan Wilson debate with Ken Early and the suggestion that Antonio Conte, if he was amenable to a mess like Arsenal, would come in and create such a jolt among first-team players that he may, he may be able to affect some kind of change there. But I, I even doubt that myself.
0: I'll tell you what, if they're, if they're staying in this end of the table, we might have to be looking at Big Sam.
1: Oh, stop. That's a
0: joke. I'm kidding, everyone. I'm kidding. He's not, though. <laughs> hey, he was good enough to manage England.
1: Hey, it's a better joke than the jokes to get out there. You know, uh, even Ted Lasso wouldn't be able to turn this around. <laughs> All
0: right. Uh, ready for the next conclusion? Surely am. Are we jumping? So that so the first one was, are Arsenal really this bad? We're not jumping. The natural, We're not jump- the natural next one. Okay, that's the bottom of the table in North London. What about the top of the table in North London? Are Tottenham really this good? Are we jumping to the conclusion that Tottenham are this good?
1: Well, I'm going to do this very quickly because I need to cede the floor to the the man of North London, that is Andrew Gundling. I'm not jumping that Tottenham are really this good. Uh, Tottenham are good, but not top of the table good. Uh, there was nothing in terms of big chances between Tottenham and Watford at the weekend, but Tottenham got their goal, defended stoutly. That was enough. Um, it's the first time in league history that Tottenham have won their first three league games Um in a campaign without conceding a single goal. And what underpins their goodness um, is what Jack Pitt-Brook wrote about in The Athletic. Watching the three Premier League games under Nuno so far, you can detect the first shapes and forms of a new team with a new set of ideas. The obvious thing that stands out is how defensively well-organized they are. This is a team whose first priority is to keep the ball out of their own net. When Nuno described clean sheets afterwards as the beginning of everything, it almost sounded religious. I'm not jumping that they're really this good. They are good, though.
0: Uh, again, we're in lockstep. I'm not jumping either, and pretty much for all the reasons you said, and for me, it starts with the defending as well. I'm so I'm so genuinely pleased with what we're seeing from Eric Dyer and Davidson Sanchez in central defense. They have both been, I mean, maybe Tottenham's two best players so far. Um, now, the problem is, like, with Arsenal... We said the only reason that we weren't jumping is because we're leaning on this idea that eventually certain players will revert to the mean of what we have known them to be. And, like, sadly, I, I wonder if part of me won't jump to this conclusion on Tottenham for a similar reason with Dyer and Sanchez. Now, like, maybe that's not fair. Dyer's only a couple years into being a full time center back, so maybe it's taken him some time to learn the position, and maybe he's actually really good at it now. And, like, Davidson Sanchez. He only just turned 25. He's been around for a long time. He's been with the Columbia National Team for a long time. So sometimes you forget he was pretty young when he was making a lot of these mistakes that we've seen him make at Tottenham. Now he's in his prime. Um, But quite frankly, I'll just have to see them do it for a longer stretch uh, to believe that, okay, like this center back pairing can actually do what we've seen them do so far, which, like you said, is concede zero goals through three games. Like Davidson Sanchez was a club record signing for Tottenham. Uh, you forget that so but but also like you said they have been kind of fortunate like the formula so far this season has been a little bit of what the formula was last season willing to cede possession try to absorb pressure take advantage of limited opportunities and and it's worked with 3-1 1-0s. but like Manchester City had 18 shots against Tottenham Wolves had 25 but, like, Tottenham defend well. A lot of those chances are not high-percentage chances. So, like, right now, those kinds of back-breaking late goals that, that really just submarine Tottenham season a year ago, they're just not happening yet. Some of that is tactical for Spurs, certainly. I give Nuno his due. It's been great so far. But, like, some of that is is good fortune. So, we'll see. Their XG differential is in the negative. You know, you don't see that very often for the team that's at the top of the table. Their shot on target percentage is 42%. That's the best in the league. Is that sustainable? Last year, it was kind of like that for Mourinho up to December. Then we found out it was not sustainable. Couldn't continue playing that way for the whole season and remain in that uh, that part of the table. So, so far, so good. It's been really fun, unexpectedly fun. Um, but we'll see. I'm not. I'm not willing to jump. Not yet. All right, next one. You ready? Yep. This one I really have nothing to say on this. It's all it's kind of more curious what you'll say. Okay. VAR is good now. Um I'm not jumping to that either. No, you have too much at stake reputationally.
1: No, but I, I will I will talk you through why I'm not. Um I really like the not all contact is a penalty approach that's been adopted, although Leicester City fans may wonder about that given the penalty that was given against them. Uh, against Sionchu at the weekend. But even when the refs get it 100% right, a la Anthony Taylor's decision to give a penalty versus Reese James at Chelsea at the weekend, he gives the screen a cursory glance, not a full look, thus allowing the rage mob, my team got done, an opportunity to scream loudest. So, like, they're doing VAR better, but still not properly. Um, By the way, just from that, uh, Dale Johnson of ESPN pointed it out. For all the controversy this has caused, there is no other decision other than a penalty and a red card. James clearly moves his hand into the path of the ball and prevents a goal. There is no longer a clause in the laws of the ball, in the laws about the ball deflecting off of a player's own body and hitting the arm. Then it's removed for 2021-22. Um, as much here's another point. As much as I like to let the game flow, dictate, there are things VAR should still intervene on. Uh, Pogba's foul leading up to Greenwood's Greenwood's winner against Wolves is an obvious one. Or is it? Well, as Dale Johnson again points out, it's a case of VAR protocol. Was it a foul? Yes. Was it a clear and obvious error by the ref not to give the foul? <clears throat> this is where it gets tricky. On any review, the VAR asked the referee to talk them through the incident. Mike Dean told the VAR he saw the contact by Pogba, but didn't feel it warranted a foul. If a referee has a clear view and describes the incident correctly... VAR protocol makes it difficult to intervene. So um so yeah, I mean in, in the Pogba case there, I think I think the Reece James as as unfortunate or, or bad as you might feel for Reece James, it was clear cut in the rules. Mm. The Pogba one wasn't. Um and also I think the fact that the Wolves player took so long to go over kind of exa- exacerbated um in in the mind of Mike Dean uh, that that wasn't a foul. Uh, it's just, it's just not, it's not consistent. Um, and, you know, you see Anthony Taylor, What? don't run over to the screen and watch a screen grab, watch the full thing through, you know, give this thing the, the time it deserves. Um, so yeah, you- I'm not, I'm not jumping on it because we're still, <laughs> we're still in this area where there's inconsistencies and, and, you know, we've seen it in different games Uh, different moments where you're like, well, in the other game, that was clearly not given or in the other game that was given. Uh, So I can't just looking just looking at the weekends uh, moments and events. I I can't, I can't say that I'm jumping now that it's all of a sudden good. I think, I think things are better, Mm -hmm. but you know, they're not perfect. And by the way, how surely VAR should help Mike Dean out there with the Pogba incident. You know, just to say, hey, Mike, that actually was a dangerous tackle. He does make contact. It might not have looked it in real time, but you might want to go to the screen or whatever or come up with, you know, but they don't do that. That's not the way it works is it's all. It's got this protocol where, you know, is this the correct uh, or is it a correct decision? Sorry. (laughs) Has the referee made a clear and obvious mistake? you know that that is the framing of it always instead of being something that can aid the referee in a mistake now by the way i would like to say before man united's fans get all upset i kind of agree with pogba afterwards pogba took the Daryl Rivas stance that the play is the play the play was the play and if the free wasn't given and the foul wasn't given then we all get on with it that 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 one thing i am absolutely you you got to stick to that one otherwise we'll never be able to enjoy games anymore um, so I'm happy with, kind of happy with. Pogba said the right thing, you know. The foul wasn't given, so it wasn't a foul. Uh,
0: two quick things. One, I, I like the changes made to the offside rule. I'm just generally really pleased that we're not going to have any more of the armpit situation um, because no one wanted that. With the Anthony Taylor thing, um, hearing you read through the Dale Johnson explanation, it's interesting because when I was watching it in real time, I was stunned. That his look at the screen was as brief as it was. I, I yeah. mean, I, I, again, I think he like they talked about during the broadcast on NBC. I think it was Lee Dixon who said he got to the right. We got to the right call. It's just the process that we took in getting there is kind of what is up for. Yeah, for and conversation. To, but like, but to, hearing you say that about Dale Johnson, that it's it's now black and white. Maybe. Anthony, there was nothing else that Anthony Taylor needed to see. He just simply needed confirmation that the hand touched the ball. Yeah, nothing right. Else, exactly. Nothing else really mattered. The movement but, of the hand off the leg, none of that even means anything if the hand touches the ball on the line.
1: But you, you see, you're not just, it's not just about being to the letter of the law or using VAR in the correct way. It's being seen to use VAR in the correct way and to bring people along with you and to bring supporters along with you. But and- then,
0: you're, you're right. And he went to the extreme here. But by the same token, I wonder if these guys, you know, are sometimes being talked to and saying, look, like, use VAR. It's a helpful tool. But, like, if you see the answer, let's. the fans are getting antsy. They don't want to be sitting in their seats. So maybe Anthony Taylor was thinking in his head, like, I see. It hit his hand. That's right. all I need to see. I'm done. Let's go. And now, like, now that's being used against him. Oh, he should have taken a longer time with it. Like, some of these, he probably heard that criticism's like I'm doing this for you I'm speeding it up because this is what I thought you guys want and now'm yep. s- and now people are telling me take longer it's like it, it's just stuff like that is funny to me
1: I, I'll tell you what's not funny is the or uh, not funny I, I mean it can be funny uh, but it hasn't gone away. Uh, the grievance culture from every supporter group mm-hmm. everybody is against your team the whole of officialdom is against your team. And, like, it begins at the start of the game. You just have it. You see people tweeting about, you know, th- there was bias towards Liverpool, even before this. This, this, is, all, know, like this the, is
0: all of sports. This is fan culture. Oh,
1: Jesus Christ, is it?
0: It's, <laughs> yes, yes, it is. Oh, come on. Yeah, definitely. Like,
1: it's too much, Andrew. Like, you know, I, I get being at a game, being impassioned about things, putting your hand up for every single call. I, I do understand that. But it's just... Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's the worst because when you can commit it to when you can commit it to text or to actually <laughs> a digital thing that someone can see, it coagulates and it becomes like this this wall of grievance and complaining. And um,
0: yeah, I mean, dude, I, w- watch a basketball game. Every NBA player believes that they have literally never committed a foul in their lives. They all believe that they should be. Listen, I'm, on not about, zero I'm not on about fouls. that. I'm on
1: about supporters, I'm not on about players. Players are always going to do that. They're always going to try and game things. They're I mean, how the many fans coaches? believe it too?
0: It's every sport. It's every yeah. sport. All right. All right. Uh, next one, JJ. We got a couple left here. Um, all right. This one will be interesting. Chelsea are the best team in the league. Are You jumping?
1: Uh, I'm going to make it very simple for you. I'm going to jump, Andrew. Um. In what was a good back-and-forth game at the weekend, in which Chelsea had plenty of positive moments, Chelsea could still stifle as good a team as Liverpool at home and come away with a point after going down to 10 men. Right, they have one of the most potent attacks in European football, and there is depth as well outside of your Lukaku's and your Havertz. They had Ziyech, Werner. All right, Pulisic was unavailable. Um, And now they're going to add to the midfield mix. Atleti's experienced campaigner, Saul, who always seemed to be able to come up with a big goal for them. Um, but the big thing for me about them and the change from uh, now to this time last year under Frank Lampard is just how organized they are. Mm-hmm. Without the ball, with the ball, but particularly without it, with their backs against the wall. like They kept Liverpool to literally nothing in that second half. And Liverpool didn't carve up enough chances for me to say, you know what? We deserve to win it in the second half. I thought Chelsea were were excellent, and that's huge in any title race. Andrew, that kind of that level of organization, and um, yeah, I'm happy to jump to that one. I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm yeah, jumping.
0: I'm jumping with you, actually, uh, for all the same reasons. Like we know what they can offer in attack, but uh, I don't. Part of this speaks to how highly I still think of Liverpool, and watching Chelsea hold Liverpool's attack and check the way they did for an entire half without Reese James, one of their defenders, uh, without Ngolo Conte, who came off at halftime. I don't know, it, it tells me that they have depth and, like you said, organization and defense that maybe I shouldn't be surprised by because I mean when Tuchel came in last season, what was it? What was their run of games without allowing a goal? Like it was in the Champions League or whatever. It, like so we've seen him we've seen it, but I think now we're seeing it and we're looking at how dangerous they can be in terms of goal scoring to go along with that defensive setup. So yeah, uh, I'm gonna jump. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that right now I think, yeah, Chelsea are, are the best team in the league.
1: Um just because we've been mentioning Liverpool with Chelsea because they played at the weekend and I don't see an opening really to talk about Liverpool. Just a quick thing, the freak out amongst Liverpool fans. Um, over the lack of business on transfer deadline day. And in the last few weeks was something I noticed on Twitter today. And also some discontent at the captain signing an extension or a new contract or however you want to frame it until 2025, Jordan Henderson. There was a lot of kind of eye raising is, you know, is this, is this a good idea? Is this something we should be doing? Is this considering his injury history? Hmm. You know, it was that's it. Was cure? It was uh, it was, um, yeah. There was discontent, Andrew.
0: What what is more jarring to you? When David Silva cut his hair, or Jurgen Klopp taking off the glasses forever?
1: What? How do you mean jarring? Um, (laughs) How many ways are there to mean it? But which one? When
0: you saw for the first time, you were like, "Wait, what?" Something's pref- not right here.
1: I prefer Klopp with with uh, with glasses. Yeah. When David Silva shaved his head, it was because he was getting more hair added.
0: Right, but th- was- but in that period of time when he first appeared with a shaved head, like <laughs> we didn't necessarily know we that was that was a that was a quite a jarring look. I thought. I'm yeah. just wondering which one was. No, it, I. It you just, know what? Forget I brought it up. You don't. You're in this serious football, proper football man mode. There's no, no time no, no, for no, jokes.
1: No, 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 no. no. Um, yeah, it was weird when he had the sh- the head shaves. But I, I genuinely, um, when I see Klopp in press conferences, more that more so than the sideline, um, because he's such an an animated figure on the sideline. Um, I prefer Klopp with glasses. 100. percent He's got to bring it, him back. Yeah, he's got to bring him back. By the way, speaking of the sideline. You know, the internet sometimes gives me such joy. uh, Thomas Tuchel went on this, I think it was Craig Pawson was the fourth official. He went on this absolute rant in Craig Pawson's face with his fist held up like he was holding a mic. (laughs) So, of course, the, the internet will not leave that one alone. And it was so sustained, it looked like a rap battle. So they put eight mile, one of Eminem's eight mile rap battles over it with the beat and everything and um i retweeted it and uh, my phone has not stopped jumping since it has like three or four million views uh, it's it was so funny man I, I meant to show it to you at the wedding the other night but i didn't because uh, the music was so loud i didn't get a chance to to show it to you oh my god it's on my twitter page it's just so funny that's pretty good um thomas slim shady tuchel
0: uh all right two more we've gone way long here ready uh Here's the next conclusion. Leeds are in for a relegation battle.
1: Um, I'm not jumping to this. I think Leeds might be in for a season of, quote-unquote, consolidation, which is a football-speak way of saying, things won't go as well as your first season back, but you'll still be okay. Uh, one thing is for certain, they'll need Rafinha to maintain the kind of stats I read on Sky Sports today. Sky did an interview with Bielsa, and they also interspersed it with some stats. This is, this is quite something. This is Rafinha. So this is his record since his first Premier League start in November 2020. Assists, nine. So that ranks number one. Chances created, 66. Mm. That ranks fifth. Uh, Big chances created, 13. That ranks fourth. Dribbles, 132. That ranks fourth. Sprints, 753. That ranks first in the Premier League. Uh, Rafinha leads the division for sprints since November 2020. He made 85 more than any other player. Um, just just an incredible output. And I mean, that's my big concern with Leeds. Um, they made a shaky start to the season. I thought that was actually a good point at Burnley in the end. Um, but I don't think they're in for a relegation battle. I am not jumping. Curious, curious to see what
0: you have to say. Uh, agree with you on all counts. Here's, um, Here's my only question, about them so after they got smashed by manchester united you yeah. you brought up something that was interesting to me but you applied it kind of solely to united and you said basically you know leads are not going to change who they are and that set up against a team like manchester united it's designed to, that it's always going to hurt them in that game yeah. and, and i've been thinking more about that this idea of leads are not going to change who they are I've always viewed that as an admirable thing. This team coming up from the championship, they want to play an attack. They don't care. That's what they're going to do. And and it certainly it worked brilliantly for them in their first season. I wonder a little bit if the surprise element of Leeds is gone. Teams now know that they are a force to be reckoned with. They have to be taken seriously. And mm. I wonder if their unwillingness to change, uh, regardless of opponent, which we, we held up as an admirable trait— I wonder if that if that will turn if that will become a not so admirable trait, that at some point you know if you want to take the next step up and your leads you don't have the same personnel as a Chelsea or a City or that the clubs in the tier above you maybe you do have to have a little bit of originality in the way you go about game to game based on your opponents or or just in general teams that now know how to go at you.
1: No, I agree with that, and it, it's not like Bielsa isn't capable of tweaking things. We I, we saw it last year after the hammer, and they got at Old Trafford when they went to uh, we, when United visited Ellen Road. These were much more conservative, um, but the basic DNA is not going to change that much. Um, although they only had two shots on target against Burnley at the weekend, which you would have probably expected more. Um, yeah, I, I think you make a good point, point. and if Bielsa is as good as everyone says he is, it shouldn't be beyond him to be able to have a bit more of a Uh, horses-for-courses kind of approach to games.
0: Last one. Are you jumping to the conclusion, JJ, that West Ham were not just a one-year wonder?
1: Andrew, I am jumping with Moisey's men. Um... They're not just a one-year one-year uh, one wonder. And in part, I'm jumping because I rarely do jump with Moisey. He gets plenty of criticism on this podcast from me. And I'm going to ignore the 2-2 at the weekend against Palace. And I'm going to rather focus on the eight goals scored in battering Newcastle and Leicester. Um, keeping Declan Rice, keeping Soufal Suchek, adding Zuma, adding Alex Kral and uh, Nikola Vlasic from the two Moscow clubs is going to help them navigate Europe and the Premier League a little bit better. I worry about them up front if anything actually happens to Mikel Antonio. Where are the goals coming from? And a genuine question, do they have another out-and-out centre-forward? Because I couldn't find one on the roster. No,
0: I don't think so. That was my that was my concern with them before the season because I basically I, I, short answer I'm, I agree with you we actually agreed on every single one I don't think that's ever happened before wow. um, I'm jumping as well not just a one year wonder uh, but yeah the Mikel Antonio thing is interesting because that was my concern okay Jesse Lingard is not back that was an unexpected uh, wave of goals that they got last season right. from a player that they weren't that they didn't know they'd have they don't have that at least not as of now maybe when January rolls around something will will come through but I, Antonio like he's delivered. I didn't know that even he could do it, um, but he is. Four goals in his first three games against Palace. He had a goal, and assist, five attempts on goal, which was the most in the, in the game. He's been fantastic. He's in the form of his life. He just became West Ham's all-time leading goal scorer in the Premier League, excellent. so congrats to him. But, yeah, so I guess what you're saying is right. Maybe I should modify my concern from not being, can Antonio do it consistently? Because right now he's he's been excellent. But, yeah, if if – at some point, like, will his form drop? Will he get hurt? Um, you know, are, if they're going to go for it in the Europa League, there's got to be some kind of squad rotation. So, no, I, I will that, just that's the say question.
1: That, I will just say this: they may be putting some uh, some stock in the fact. I think Vlasic had, I think he had twelve goals last season in the Russian uh, Premier League. I mean, that's that's a fairly good haul. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he had. Are they looking for more goals from midfield? Is Fornals going to step up, score more? Well, I'll I mean,
0: say this. In terms of goals from your midfield, Vlasic and Suchek is a pretty good starting point.
1: Yeah, but it's... I don't know. It it, it still doesn't justify having one out-and-out centre-forward. And please don't... I don't want anyone like tweeting out as well. They've got X and XY who's like some kind of a quasi-attacking midfielder. I'm talking centre-forward. As far as I can see, they've only got one. Really. So... That that's got to be a concern. Before um, before we move on, Andrew, mm-hmm. and hit a break, can I just deviate for one second? Uh, first of all, I'd like to say it's unbelievable that we agreed on everything. That that didn't even happen this weekend. Um, but uh, Richarlison for Everton, the mm-hmm. penalty incident in what was a great away win for Rafa Benitez's team. What was that all about?
0: So. Has he done this before? I felt like I had seen this before.
1: Yeah, but this felt way more, A, unnecessary, and B,
0: kind of extreme. And Um, way counterproductive, too. I mean, you're basically, it's like S-Housery to your own player. Yeah, and we've also
1: noted in the past when this has happened, it's usually two players with the ball, one goes away sheepishly, and, and people get on with it. This had, like, multiple players involved. The captain who won the penalty, who was getting treatment, had to jump up from getting treatment, Seamus Coleman, and ran over to break things up. Have we got the
0: audio there? Yeah, uh, here's how it sounded. Richarlison has other ideas at the moment. Well, Everton players discussing it. Coleman goes across to try and sort this out Calvert-Lewin has now got the ball Richarlison is fuming he's lost his head here and this is extraordinary because even if he doesn't take it it now puts way too much pressure on the man who is going to take it
1: it's hard to believe what you're seeing
0: if i'm honest i mean it's very clear Coleman comes over the captain and actually has a little word with and say no Calvert-Lewin's the penalty taker. He's taken the penalty. And he did score. He buried it. Yeah.
1: But but he took the penalty against Leeds. He's the penalty taker. Like, you don't, you don't get to do that. And also, if you try to do it, you don't get to defend your position like that to the point where the captain has to almost cease getting treatment and sprint after you and lay down the law. I thought Coleman did really well there. Uh, I thought Allen did too. Mm-hmm. Um... And look, they all went together. There was no unity, disunity afterwards. Richarlison went over, celebrated with Donovan Calvert-Loon. There was a little huddle and a little chat almost saying, mind your manners kind of thing. Or there appeared to be some interaction uh, between the senior players and Richarlison in that huddle. Um, very, very odd. I had to bring it up. Because I've never seen one as... I've never seen someone lose their head quite like that. Not since Paulo Di and Frank Lampard. And that's... 20 23 years ago or something
0: yeah I'm trying to think I know we have seen this uh, but you're right that one um, I don't know it was particularly confrontational uh, in, yeah in a way that you don't normally see um, yep so uh well there you go that was jump to conclusions week for uh, really for the year we'll do it again. A year from now, let's go ahead. We'll take a break, J.J. When we come back, we'll finish out with a beautiful mailbag. Don't go anywhere. More Caught Offside still to come. Oh, back now on Caught Offside, mailbag time. Uh, Before we get to that, J.J., uh, congratulations to R.J. uh, and Ange. They were uh, our good friend, uh, married over the weekend. We have mentioned RJ at various points throughout the he, history of this podcast. He's so. a
1: big advocate for our podcast. He's a, a big listener. He's done production on it in the past as well. He's just a great guy. Yeah. One of the nicest guys you will ever meet, Ange. His uh, new bride, his wife. Uh, his, sorry, not his new bride. His only bride is uh, just a, a lovely person too. Uh, Brooklyn people, solid people, good
0: people. Uh, yeah, and it was a great time, and it was uh, it was fun having you there certainly. And you came over to my house beforehand. We hung out. Yeah, played, we played house, basketball.
1: Just, yeah, just just to give everyone the the, the skinny on Andrew's house. Uh, remember when MTV did Cribs? Uh, think of uh, and and they did they did Sports Star Cribs too. So think of a lower half of the championship, top half of League One. That's the kind of house we're talking about here. Very very nice house. (laughs) Lots of space, huge garden, and a a basketball hoop, where I showed myself to be uh, not a baller, as you would say.
0: I think that I'm, I think I'm better at soccer than you are at basketball. I think.
1: Uh, Oh, I don't know about
0: that. Now I think you're better at at soccer. You're better at and you're. Oh, you were a! F- it was horrible watching you play basketball. It hurt. It actually hurt my eyes to see it. Yeah. I, but having said that, you're better at soccer than I am at basketball.
1: Yeah, I'm, by a I'm lot. Pr- I'm pretty bad. Like I, I could score, uh, but I would feel that the technique was even awkward. And on the next shot that I would take, see, see, like there was a couple of shots I hit that were like very nice, or but, they went into the net. They didn't touch the rim. Boom, boom, very nice. But then the next one might you know, hit the corner of the backboard. You well, just, it just didn't It know. just
0: felt like any shot you made, is it's happening purely by accident. It's like the ultimate blind squirrel finding a nut sort of mm, thing.
1: I would say not. I would say that there oh, okay. was inconsistent technique.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, right. You want to talk about awkward. Try showing up to a wedding slightly late with a Washington football team football helmet in your hand.
1: Uh, one of the more hilarious things that happened because you simply had to give that to, Peter, to DJ Peter Rosenberg yeah, it at was, the wedding.
0: It was his he had we had gotten it doesn't matter but somehow we all ended up uh, with football helmets a, a few a couple weeks ago of <laughs> our teams at an event that we were at and he was going straight from the event to the to the airport. I was going home so he said, "Hey, I don't want to bring this on the flight. Take my Washington helmet and I'll I'll get it from you the next time I see you," which happened to be this wedding. So I said, "Hey, I'm bringing it." Uh he said, "All right, fine." And <laughs> what I just didn't factor in was that like, okay, now I'm going to be showing up to a wedding with a football helmet, <laughs> but not only that, we showed up not even
1: in a bag, in no, your bare just, hands. Yeah,
0: but we showed up
1: kind of late, um, so just as the things were about to get rolling, so you run over to a member of staff as we're going in, as she's showing us, directing us to the beach area for the wedding, and you go to. Her. I know this is a weird request, but would you have anywhere you can store this?
0: By the way, it's. She looked at me like I like I had like I was Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> It wasn't that weird of a request. A lot of these places have have coat checks. Like she would, she wouldn't even acknowledge me. No, go, go. The ceremony's starting. Go right relax so i hid it behind a couch
1: i hid it behind a couch that's the truth of it <laughs> and i gave it an, you were carrying you were it going to bring that out i was never going to bring it
0: later i put it behind a couch you didn't do anything i said i can't walk out of here holding this as they're coming down the aisle they're gonna everybody's gonna be looking at me carrying in a football helmet to a to a wedding ceremony so i threw it behind a couch and it stayed there the whole time but it was a great wedding had an awesome time
1: so much fun it was great. Uh, Although the yeah. DJ admittedly did not play Journey right at the end. RJ did. told me that was meant to be the very last song. Oh, don't but he, he did play it. He did oh, play it. how much did I love that? Brilliant. You Journey, do. don't care. It's never going to be old. Never going to be cheesy. Wonderful
0: song. <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's do the mailbag.
1: Mailbag, Caught OffsidePod at gmail.com. Caught site ESPN on Instagram. At CO Soccer Pod on Twitter. Uh, give us a review, follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram. If you don't, I'll come to your house and I will make a disturbance. Uh, my friend, Luke golden alerted me to this piece, uh, from Barnsley chairman, Paul Conway. So he did a question and answer, uh, with journalists, which Barnsley then typed up and put on their website, uh, on their official site. And here's a section about some of the difficulties they experienced during the transfer window. I I thought this was amazing. Uh, we really need players who want to play for Barnsley, who want to be at our club. And during the process this summer of looking to strengthen our squad, we've had some really interesting situations. We reached agreements with three different Premier League clubs for three players we felt would be, would be ideal for us in terms of their talent. And one of these players told us we'd need to pay him 40% more to play for Barnsley. <sighs> that was a short conversation. The second one basically told us he didn't agree with our style of play that we'd need to change that if he was to come. Again, a very short conversation. The third is the funniest one. We had a signed transfer agreement. We'd agreed personal terms. We'd done the medical, and the player was scheduled to do his media pieces before signing the contract. And then the player just drove away. (laughs) We were like, where did he go? And he just left the club and got in his car and left. On like it does not shed a great light on Premier League players. Well, who, that's why
0: I need names. He's oh, got to yeah. name names.
1: Um, the the last one reminds me of a story Roy Keane tells when he was manager of Sunderland. Do you Remember Maddie Taylor Andrew, who just yeah, every one of his goals was an absolute banger. Was one of the greatest you've ever seen. Um, so Maddie Taylor was going to come to Sunderland, but he was talking to a few clubs. So he drives up to Sunderland, meets Roy Keane at his office to have a conversation. Roy walked is walking him to his car and he says, "Look, Maddie, have a think about it. Let me know." Maddie goes, "I'll definitely think about it, Roy, uh, and I'll be in touch with you before I make a decision." Thanks, Maddie. Maddie goes is walking to his car. <laughs> Keen has barely walked up the steps. He gets to he's about to open the door to his office. The phone buzzes. Zzz, it's Maddie Taylor. Thanks, Roy, but I'm not coming to Sunderland.
0: <laughs> the the oh. player asking for a forty percent pay increase from Barnsley what are you confused with how this works like
1: yeah so three different Premier League clubs I'm presuming these were like loan deals or, or, or permanent deals it makes no sense
0: now I will say the, the second one is not of the three the second one is not totally outrageous to me I would think that a player style of play of the club he's going to you sh- should matter
1: the second one basically told us he didn't agree with our style of play. We need to change it if he was to come. Well, that, Andrew, that
0: right? that's where he goes too far. If that you want me, outrageous. you're going to have to change everything for me. You're right. That's too far. But, the I, but I understand I understand a player saying this is not my style of play. Uh, I, I won't
1: I, come here. Fine. Right. Don't come. Don't ask to change it. I, it goes to show you, though, Andrew, like the, the difference in what the championship teams are expecting from players and what the Premier League players are expecting if they have to drop to the championship. Like the the gap between it kind of illustrates the gap between the rich, the haves, and the have nots.
0: Oh, I'm so curious who those are because you know, would, that, like if it's a, if it's Premier League players that are going down to Barnsley, then we're talking about guys that are not accomplished, and so it would just be so funny to a, attribute a name to oh, yeah. to a guy showing up there saying, okay, I'll come here, but you're gonna change everything for me, and like to know who that was, I, oh, I would just love it.
1: I would love it too. By the way, Barnsley aren't nothing. Barnsley are no, a I tall... mean, they,
0: yeah, they they almost.
1: They almost made the playoff final, you know. Yeah. All right. Jonathan Bryant. Uh, hey, guys, love the show. Haven't heard much about Ted Lasso this season. Any chance JJ has had a change of heart? No. Is Andrew still on the Ted train yep. after the last AFC Richmond handed Tottenham this week? Andrew, <laughs> would you like to uh, take us uh, through where you're at with? Uh,
0: I still really like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my opinion. Did you finish it? Well, it's not. It's not over yet. They're oh, releasing not. Week oh, they're one, them. one by one by one. Every Friday, they release oh, a new episode. Right. Yeah. And um, I don't know. I, I still, however, I felt about it last season is how I feel about it this season. It's like, like for me, I continue to be a little bit surprised by the universal acclaim and love and Emmy yeah. nominations and all that. But like, Crazy, I man. enjoy. Uh, every episode is fun like i just enjoy all of them and i'm i'm in i'm going to watch every episode
1: yeah uh, i haven't for changed my op- it's on yeah i haven't changed my opinion one little bit and uh, i for i saw the first piece uh andrew um the the first piece by someone uh that i follow on twitter from slate magazine who went after it on 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 the basis that i would initially my first point of 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 criticism of the show is that you know, he goes. Should we really be praising a comedy that's not funny? You know, should a comedy that isn't funny be getting all the awards and all the attention that it's getting?
0: But who's like? What does he mean? It's it isn't funny to a, he, to he said a lot of people. It he is. He liked season
1: one. He actually he likes season one. Uh, but but um, he, his his points of criticism were a that season two season two is not funny, um, and the jokes don't hit. Uh, they don't work. And the second thing he said was that it's got this propensity for like a schmaltzy ending or for, for it to be, uh, he used the term didactic, which is basically oh, like mor- moralizing. Calm down. Jesus. It's a, I mean, you, you have a liberal arts degree. You've never heard the word didactic or you might've come across it. It's basically moralizing is what he's saying. Um, and telling us, how we should, you know, Ted Lasso, in lieu of any comedy, is telling us, you know, how to be his men. And he, he finds that just just not good enough. It's got to be funny first.
0: Um, my only issues, I've always said, you, you're allowed to not like it. Uh, hmm. That's totally fine. I get it. Um, my only issue is that I believe you, like, you need everyone You won't rest until everyone feels the way you do about this. This has become a thing for you. No, 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 no. no. So, here's why I say that. Here's why I say it. That's not fair. That's not fair. It's extremely fair because what happened? You you read that article at Slate. You know I like the show. It was the first one that actually. You immediately sent it to me. You're trying to recruit me to your side. I didn't respond. I said, I don't have time for this. I like it. You don't. I didn't even respond to your text with that article, I didn't read the article. Then a short while later I went on Twitter and I see you've now tweeted the article. Of you course. are you are going to do everything in your power to get everyone to dislike the show the way you do. It's no. sad. Uh, you, it's very sad. I
1: am? Who do you think I am? I do not have that kind you, of sway. But, you, I don't but have, you
0: need you need the um the agreement of others. You need to be you need that I, feeling of I, no, I like, was I, right no, all no, along. No, 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 I need
1: the feeling that what am I missing here? Like I needed the feeling that at least like what I've been overwhelmed by is that the universal almost lockstep, like zero criticism anywhere. So when you come across like the needle in the haystack, you're like, Oh my God. Um, I will tweet out the article from our
0: uh, Again? account.
1: No, no, no. From our show account. I didn't do that because I knew you'd freak out <laughs> over it, but I don't get it. Like the universe, like even Grant Wall, who like, I actually, I love reading Grant Wall's stuff. But Grant Wall sits down for an interview with Jesse Marsh and the headline for the interview or the uh, the headline for his uh, substack piece, which you can subscribe to, um, is uh, I can't remember what it was. Uh, Jesse Marsh is the closest thing to a real life Ted Lasso. I'm paraphrasing. That's pretty much. I don't get that either. Everything now in football, like if a manager needs to be replaced, somewhere will tweet out, oh, uh, even Ted Lasso couldn't save this mess. You know, stuff like, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Um, I don't understand it. Do not understand it. It's uh, Sad. There's a humor gap. There's just a, I, I don't know. Um, Leon Jones. I want to hear more proper football dude <laughs> with the English accent. I miss that guy. Well, I haven't done him in a while. <laughs> it's but- definitely
0: the first time Ron Manager has ever been referred to as a dude.
1: Yeah right. So is Leon talking about the the gruff London proper football man impression that I do, or is he doing Ron, or is he expecting Ron Manager?
0: I assumed it was Ron Manager, so I so went ahead I... and I, I grabbed a few Ron Managers so to to appease him and me, because I just I love Ron Manager. Ron
1: Manager is one of the great. Like that is a good character. That is a a funny character. What uh, uh, what say.
0: show is this from again, JJ? Uh,
1: it's from the Fast Show. It was an English sketch show that ran in the late nineties and. Um, When you say fast, the sketches were no longer ever than like maybe two minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just, uh, there was a whole host of characters, and Ron Manager was a big one.
0: Here's a few Ron Managers for you, Leon.
1: Soccer, isn't it? Mm? Ryan Giggs, you know. Giggsy, isn't it? Mm? (laughs) Giggsy Wiggsy. Here's another. Small boys in the park, jumpers for goalposts, rush goalie,
0: two at the back, three in the middle, four at the front, one's gone home for his tea. Beans on toast. Possibly. Don't quote me on that. And one last one. Early 70s. Enduring
1: image. Derby <laughs> County. Baseball ground. Steve Reich. Baseball. You know, American national game. Mm-hmm. Babe Ruth. Joe DiMaggio. Friend of Frank Sinatra. Married to Marilyn Monroe. Link with the Kennedys. Ooh, scandal. <laughs> that is so some analysis. Guy... Yes, yes, so this guy existed, apparently. In the late <laughs> oh, 70s, he was on the BBC.
0: Wait, this is, this is a real guy? No, when
1: that he's a character based on a guy. I, I can't remember his name. It was before my time. But Paul Whitehouse, who the actor, talks about how he came up with him. And he, he just went on these, like, trains of thought. So he'd ask him, yeah, Ron, what do you think of the defending there? Ooh, defending. Good, isn't it? Hard men. Tough men. Oh, hard men. The craze. They were tough. Ooh, gangsters. Mm, mafia, isn't it? Ooh, Chicago. You know, like, he'd, he'd go on these, uh, these, uh. These flights of fancy. He's a national treasure, Ronnie. He manager. is great. Sometimes you'll just say something to me when we're when we're together and I'll go, mm, football, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh let's any any others this week? Uh Jason Pochniak. I've got that wrong, Jason. <laughs> Apologize. I've done my best. Please tell me this will be on tomorrow's pod. Well, it's today's pod. ESPNFC, Newcastle have signed a Mexican teenager called Santiago Munoz. When life imitates art, Newcastle can confirm that Mexico under-23 international Santiago Munoz has joined the club's academy set on an initial 18-month loan deal. The 19-year-old who was born in the United States arrives from Mexican top flight side Santos Laguna where he made his debut last season, scored three goals and claimed three assists in 13 league games. The film Goal has come to life. (laughs) Your favorite film?
0: (sighs) I genuinely liked it there. I've said it before; I'll say it again. Two and no. three were abominations, but the first one—the one, first one—I one genuinely good. liked.
1: Yeah, one is good. Um, actually, we have we we get so many insights on this podcast. We were sent audio of uh, the actual way in which the transaction went down. How Santiago Munoz ends up at Newcastle? Hmm. If you get yourself to England, Newcastle United to give you a trial.
0: Newcastle United—that's a big club. <laughs> Very big club. And there you have it.
1: That's how it's done. You meet the guy outside of his church on a Sunday. You negotiate in front of his elderly grandmother and very unhappy father. Yeah. And uh, not, you just he get was on a plane. not plan. a
0: believer in Santiago's talent.
1: No, he wasn't a believer. He wanted him to continue in the family business, to work hard. I understand that. But literally, uh, once Santiago Munez could remember his inhaler, then he was destined to score... Against Liverpool, what a goal that was! Great goal. Can you remember? Because so so so, what they did was they filmed live at the ground that season, and they took real footage and even re- they put Munoz on the field after the Liverpool game in a full Newcastle kit and filmed them like it was normal as an actual game was finishing. Yeah. So Steven Gerrard is like. Shaking hands with this guy, he's like, Was he playing? Where did he come from? Um, but it was really clever and it kind of helped with the authenticity. Can you remember the goal, the goal scorer that uh, Santiago Munez is support like, who actually scored the goal, not Santiago Munez for
0: you- for Newcastle?
1: Yeah, long range free what, kick. Was it Mickey? Patrick Clivert? No, oh, um, that's the right era, long range free kick around uh, 2005. Lauren Robert. Oh, okay. Yep, he just absolutely belts one into the top corner. But that goal will always be immortalized by Santiago Munoz. Interesting. And that is the mailbag.
0: That was great. Oh, I enjoyed that so much. What a podcast! God Almighty.
1: Brilliant podcast. This was a big one of one. our best.
0: Yeah, this was a big one. Um, we have we have more. Not on this podcast, but uh, of course, World Cup qualifying begins Thursday. At ten o'clock p.m. for the U.S.
1: Oh my God, kill me now!
0: <laughs> I, I I am of the belief that you and I will be doing uh, an um, an emergency podcast after that. I mean, my God, the the road could- begins now. Like, how could we not?
1: Our commitment to this is, we've been building to this since October 2017. That's the facts of it. We can finally start.
0: Like we've always said, we're, we're we've moved on. We're not thinking it's BS. Okay, I I have not moved on. I cannot move on until this begins. And it begins Thursday at 10 o'clock against El Salvador. Everyone will be there. Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney, Tyler Adams, they're all there. Thousands of stars. It will be a night to remember. I can't wait for it. So, yeah, we'll we'll have an emergency podcast, of course, that uh, you'll either see super late Thursday night or uh, early Friday morning whenever you uh,
1: update your feed. Yeah, someone tweeted out a video of the – really, really tough atmosphere. Uh, Can't remember what era it was when we played out there. I'm going to have to go back and watch it, but um, it's going to be hot. It's going to be lit. And you just mentioned Weston McKinney. Has he, hmm, as of now, we can't confirm it. We can't see it. We don't, we we, we just have to assume it hasn't been done. But Burnley, apparently we're very close.
0: I want no part of that. I want just, no part of that.
1: I think that's a great. I think it's great. I, I absolutely think it's great. I think it suits him. I think he'd be a player. He'd be dynamic in the midfield, winning tackles, I'm, driving I'm forward. afraid
0: that they're too defensive-minded, uh, and I want him to continue to grow as an attacker, and I, just, I worry that that is not the right move for the direction of his career.
1: Okay, fair enough. Well, as far as I can see right now, it hasn't happened unless it's slipped under our radar.
0: Well, uh, I would love to see him in the Premier League, of course, but I'm rooting for that to not happen. I'm rooting hard for that to not happen. Uh, Hey, this was fun, man. Like I said, we'll be back with an emergency pod after the U.S. El Salvador. To you, I say... Take it later, fun boy. See you, man. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast.